Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson. It's an honor to have you here with us on this Thursday, August 3rd, 2023. As we take a look at everything going on in the life of Duke Athletics, it's been fun to get back into the rhythm of five shows a week here on the Locked On College Network. We've got our Locked On College Football Preview coming to you soon. So tons of content ahead of what's going to be an exciting college football season and also plenty of storylines to be following with the Duke basketball program. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to follow and subscribe to our podcast For free, wherever you get your podcasts, we're out there on all of the major platforms. You can also take a moment, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, like the video daily, share it with your friends, follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Your support means a lot to us. Without further ado, my co-host here today, a good friend, my buddy Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated joins us on the show. Been a minute since we've had him on the program and what's been an exciting summer. Connor, you've gotten married since we last spoke. Congrats on the nuptials. And once again, it's just awesome to get you back here on the show. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for for your patience. I I can't remember. Was was it a couple of days before the the big day that you reached out? And I was kind of like, I don't know if I can make this happen yet. Uh, Yeah, it it was relatively close that we even recorded. I was like, man, this guy's making some time for me as we get closer to uh, the, uh, the wedding day. So uh, really awesome and, and happy that that day was uh, so great for you and your now wife. That's great. So with that being said, though, Connor, the, the, the calendar keeps moving forward. August is now here. You've been busy with the football practices already at Wake Forest and, and getting set for Duke football to start at the end of the week. Uh, what a time of year it is right now. Yeah, I kind of, you know, life doesn't have a pause button. I kind of wish it does um, just for to get a little bit of summertime back. But yeah, I've at this point covered three wake football practices. I'll get a fourth wake practice before I get a first Duke practice. That's Friday night. Um, and that's uh, that's a reflection of how weird my opening weekend will be with a Wake Forest Thursday night opener against Elon and then go all the way to that Labor Day Monday night game that Duke has against Clemson. Uh, so I don't I guess for three days I'll just sit around and watch football games that I don't have to cover. That'll feel really, really weird. <laughs> yeah, um, not used to that with the open Saturday. Yeah, just it, it I'm sure it'll be fine when once it gets there. Like that opening weekend is all college football all the time. But man, it's it's just funky to look at the the schedule and see one game uh four days apart or three days apart, whatever it is from the other. But um yeah, exciting time. Um summer is over, it's fall camp despite everybody that wants to say fall doesn't start until September 21st. Um, yeah, it's, it's fall camp. Like it, it's, <laughs> it's autumn. Uh, football is in the air here in North Carolina. No doubt about that. And I definitely want to spend a lot of time talking about Mike Elko ahead of year two, but let's start a little bit more with the recent events that have been taking place for the Stukeman's basketball program. Since we last spoke, a uh, coaching staff has had a new addition uh, recruiting has really taken off. It appears what we thought would be more of a down period. There's big visitors that have been on campus for John Shire's program. I mean, catch us up to speed. A lot's been going on for John Shire's program. Yeah, um, Emmanuel Dildy is the new assistant coach. He is Emil Jefferson's replacement. Um, there, there's that big designation I think we talked about last time with right. – 
the NCAA allowing you to add two coaches that can be on-campus recruiters but can't travel everywhere else. Um, that's what Will Avery was hired to. And Duke still has an opening in the other spot. I don't know for sure if that's going to be taken by Mike Schragge or if he's going to stay in his role and they'll bring in somebody else. Uh, Duke might not actually have the answer for that right now. I think they're kind of evaluating that as they go. But Emmanuel Dildy comes from Oklahoma. Um, before Oklahoma, he was on Chris Collins' staff at Northwestern. So he is he's an outside-the-family hire uh, in terms of he was never a Duke captain like all those other assistant coaches was were in the last two to three decades. Uh, that's how he's kind of similar to Jay Lucas. But Jay Lucas didn't coach under one of those types of guys. Um, Emmanuel did. Emmanuel did it at Northwestern with Chris Collins. Um I hesitate on labeling guys as recruiters because I think if you're, if you're an assistant coach at Duke, you better be able to recruit and teach the game and game plan and do a bit of everything. Um, there's not just your designated recruiting guy and your designated X's and O's guy. Um, so Emmanuel Dildy, like you'll see some, you'll see some things attached to him to say, Oh, he's, he's a recruiter. Um, yes, he's a good recruiter, but he also did some, really good work with Oklahoma's wings. Um, and, and I think that's the area where he'll kind of focus on. I, I am, I am really curious. Uh, I did the story about the, the coaching, the coaching staff structure and the offensive and defensive coordinators. Jay Lucas was a defensive coordinator last year. Chris Carroll kind of oversaw the offense. John Shire had his hand in both. And Emil Jefferson was kind of the player development guy. I don't know Emmanuel Dildy yet, but I would like to think that he kind of is able to do both um, without getting to know him yet, without having discussed that with John Shire yet. So I am curious to see how he slots in there. Uh, if he's going to take Emil's role as the player development guy and be showing up at the gym at 6 a.m. when, you know, uh, the, the stories we got were all about Derek Lively wanting to do that with Emil. Uh, Jeremy Roach and, and Emil were really close uh, for two years there. So I'm curious if that's going to be Emmanuel's role or if he's going to be in there with uh, with Jay or with Chris on the defense or offensive side of things. We spend a lot of time talking about recruiting and, and Dildy's impact that could possibly be there. But it is interesting. You're, I mean, the thoughts that you're having, they're like, what exactly does it look like his on-the-court role? Because – uh, the Stoop team, you break down X's and O's and what they could be. I mean, it feels like we're going to have multiple different kind of lineup variations, small lineups, big lineups, a lot of guards, emphasis on three-point shooting with the Stoop team going into this upcoming season. I, I think having a little bit of outside thought in addition to what was already there with Jay Lucas a year ago can really help the Stoop team, given that it is such a unique and kind of diverse roster makeup that Duke's got going into the upcoming season. Yeah, there's there's a lot of variations they can get. And uh, we're, we're kind of seeing that, you know, it, it kind of dawned on me here uh, in the last couple of days. You know, this time last year, you think back, uh, Duke still didn't really know what they had with Tyrese Proctor coming in because he hadn't gotten to campus yet. Um, it, was, it was, I think, mid-August, maybe on the later side of mid-August that he finally got there and got going in workouts. And we started hearing some really glowing reviews about it, about him. But 
up to this point a year ago, we did not know what to expect from an early enrollee point guard uh, who had reclassed, you know, goes without saying, he reclassed. Uh, they have a lot better handle on things now. All four freshmen have been on campus. Um, I enjoyed the the minute-long videos with each of them kind of giving on who they were. Um, you could – like, you knew Sean Stewart was going to say Grant Hill was his former favorite uh, favorite former Blue Devil because of their relationship, like, he, he might have uh, he might have been disowned from a family friend if he hadn't said that, but um, but yeah, I I, uh, I think they have a you can say uh, they've got a better handle on what this team is going to be and what it's going to do well uh, at this point than than you could have said a year ago. Let's continue to talk about this Duke basketball team. What's coming up next, and then also down the line, fall camp getting ready to start for Mike Elko as he gets closer to the second season leading the Duke football program. And we'll do that with our buddy Connor O'Neill after our first time out here today on Locked On Blue Devils. Locked On Blue Devils is brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn. LinkedIn is one of our absolute favorites because these days every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you would like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster and for free. Go ahead and post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. As we move forward here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils, J.J. Jackson alongside my pal Connor O'Neill for the Devils Illustrated. Give us a plug for, for Devils Illustrated. What do you have going on these days, Connor? We've got some preseason football content uh, as usual. Um, we're going to get some basketball stuff. Mainly the basketball stuff's on the message board these days. Um, it's It's kind of back channel and, and rumors uh, in basketball recruiting circles right now. So... You know, there's there's more of that um, going on with the forums with the with Devils Insider. Um, that's where you'll find your your basketball news and coverage. But uh, Duke.rivals.com, um, come check it out. Absolutely, go check it out and and be a part. Give have a paid subscription. Be able to see those message boards and and what the chatter is like this time of year. Because I tell you what, a lot of people are excited about recruiting each and every season for Duke. John Shire has been pretty elite uh, putting together class after class, and he's trying to do that right now uh, with this class of 2024. And uh, a lot of people really focused on Cooper Flag these days. And uh, it appears as though he took a little unofficial visit to Durham on his way down to Montverde to get started with another high school season. Yeah, he was on campus yesterday. Um Gosh, it seemed like a foregone conclusion for a year now that he's going to wind up being a Duke. Um, and and the rumors now, uh, they, I was kind of taken aback earlier this week when somebody reached out to me and was like, hey, you know, this this kid, he might be a reclass candidate for 2024. 
and he might be at Duke this time next year. And it was kind of like, yeah, we, we've been saying that and hearing that since May. Um, <laughs> it, it's, I think it's coming. Um, it's not done yet. Uh, you know, so many things can change in, in these, in these conversations. Uh, it, it's, it's a day-to-day process. It's week to week. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm trying to remember the timeline here. It's, it's definitely more than a year ago now that Cooper Flagg gave an interview. I think it was with Jamie Shaw, formerly with Rivals, uh, and said that Duke was his dream school and that he's a Duke fan growing up. And he's tried to distance himself from those comments, um, I think, to make it so that he was still recruited by other schools and everybody just didn't say, okay, let's let this kid go to Duke. He's He's super talented, but there's no point in us wasting our time recruiting him. Um, he's been recruited by others, but I still think it's a heavy Duke lean. And and like I said, I, I think he winds up as a class as a um, class of twenty four kid, which means you know he's there a year before the the Boozer twins would potentially arrive, and maybe out of there before the the Boozer twins arrive because. There's there's some thought that he is the best player in high school basketball right now, regardless of uh, of class or age or whatever. Um, so going into his junior year at Mount Verde, his second year at Mount Verde, uh, he's from up around Maine. Um, he's definitely kind of the one to keep an eye on right now in, in that. You can't even say he's a class of 24 kid because he hasn't reclassed yet, but but he's definitely the one to keep an eye on right now. Just a premier recruit and, and whatever he ends up, a, a commitment to Duke. I think Duke fans would love to have him either year, uh, regardless of, of when he decides to show up in Durham. So the class right now, of course, Darren Harris, Isaiah Evans, uh, and then Flory Bedunga has recently um, cut his list down, and uh, Duke's got to feel pretty good about possibly landing his services, I would imagine. Duke should feel really good about getting his services and should feel really good based on uh, it's basically unless there's that sleeper, you know, mystery team, we just came out of the trade deadline in baseball, uh, you know, (laughs) mystery team a could come out of right field and land him. But last week it was seen as a two horse race between Kansas and Duke and Kansas. uh, I think it was earlier this week. And now they're, not announced, but there's news that they're going to bring another four-star big man for a visit at the end of the month or beginning of September, right in that time frame. So you don't think they would do that uh, if if they felt good about Flory, and right. so that's where that's where if you're reading tea leaves, um, you're feeling pretty good about Duke's chances there. Excited to see what can happen there on the recruiting front for Duke basketball. Let me get one more question, hoops related, before we kind of transition to. Uh, this football team ahead of Mike Elko's second season on the job. Connor, I'm curious. We were all following what happened this past weekend in Chicago, uh, whether or not it was going to be an NIL event for Duke, and it ultimately ended up just being a uh, kind of massive team bonding trip uh, when the NCAA kind of pulled the plug there right at the finish line of this event actually taking place. What in the world happened? What are you hearing? I'm so fascinated by the story and what ultimately transpired this past weekend. Yeah, I've got to, I've got to plead a little ignorance here. Cause I, 
I was following along with what they were doing in Chicago and I knew there was a scrimmage um, fans were going to be able to attend and the proceeds were going to mostly go toward players. Um, And and as I understand it, that never happened. Uh, The NCAA came in and and said that that would be impermissible benefits. Um, I think I've got to credit Adam Rowe over at Devil's Den uh, with, with, with coming up with that one. Um, I, I would, I would chalk it up right now to not necessarily the, the big, bad NCAA boogeyman. Um, certainly they're the ones that take blame on a lot of issues, but I think more than anything, it's just the lack of transparency and what NIL rules are. Um, you, you know, I, I fail to see the difference in somebody's collective pledging that they're going to give X recruit. $80,000 a year to play for their team. Uh, but, but Duke can't put on a scrimmage where fans can pay a certain amount of a, a gate to get in and watch a game. Uh, I, I, I don't, it doesn't compute. Like the, those are the same things to me. Um, I know it's frustrating. Like I, I I'm sure I would be extremely frustrated if I had planned around going to see uh, Duke, like, what two months before anybody else gets to see him? Uh, I can't remember when the countdown to craziness is. Maybe mid October, so two and a half months before. That would be a hell of an ex- uh, of a chance to see them uh, in action. I understand the frustration. I just I, I think the frustration needs to be with you know everybody everybody's favorite phrase now in college athletics is the wild wild west, and, and it's just it really is. And uh, I, I I don't know what the solution is, but um. I'd imagine it's a little frustrating for the Duke players as well, right? Expecting a little bit of a payday uh, yeah. coming their way with this event. And then at the last moment, yeah, no, no, no money's being uh, put into that bank account. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's something that, you know, honestly, um, you know, Duke does a media day where we get to talk to players. Uh, that was before countdown last year. Mm-hmm. Um It'll kind of be old news at that point, but I am curious <laughs> to ask them about it because um, there they're are bound to be some raw feelings about it probably. Locked on Blue Devils here today. J.J. Jackson with my buddy Connor O'Neill. It's the Thursday, August 3rd edition of the program. We're getting set for the start of the upcoming Duke football season and uh, Duke fall camp set to start on Friday this week when the Blue Devils get set to, uh, to take the practice field. What are the big storylines that intrigue you right now with this football team, Connor? This is a, it's a season of a sliding scale for Duke. Um, you look at their schedule last year was on the easy end of things. Their schedule this year, you won't find an ACC team, at least right now, before we know anything about these teams, you won't find an ACC team with a harder schedule. Um, Duke, trades out some teams that didn't even qualify for bowls last year for playing the two, the two teams that got almost every vote to win the conference in the preseason poll with Clemson and Florida state. Um, they, they've got a, a stretch there that starts in October and ends in November where four out of five weeks they're on the road. And the one home game in there is a Thursday night against wake forest, which, you know, it's, it's a short turnaround game. It's a game against a rival who you beat last year and is going to have revenge on their mind. Um, it is a brutal schedule. So as the schedule gets harder, 
You also look at well, Duke was a nine and four team last year. They were a player two away in a couple of games from being a double digit win team. Uh, like I, I think that's something that gets lost when talking about last year. Everybody wants to pat Duke on the back for a great season and tell them nine wins at Duke and in year one under a coach is great. Well, they honestly, they should have won the Carolina game. They should have won the Georgia Tech game. And they were a two-point conversion away from being tied with Pitt. So, Absolutely. yeah, and, and the the blowout of those was an eight-point loss at Kansas where nothing went right in the first half. Um, so, so you look at, okay, if, they, if these guys were that good in year one, how much better can they be in year two? How much better with, with a, such a – plethora of returning starters um the offensive skill positions like they're all the same guys that you saw last year uh there's one running back Peyton Jones who might be fourth who's a new name to know uh I don't know if any receivers are are gonna be new names that you're gonna have to learn like it's all the same guys um defensively they've got a few holes to fill uh mainly up the middle with Shaka Hayward leaving and Darius Joyner ran out of eligibility so the defense is is kind of where I'm going to be looking in fall camp to see okay who's going to be in new roles who's stepping up uh can they get any defensive ends who can generate consistent pressure to where they don't have to bring exotic blitzes to pressure quarterbacks but um but the sliding scale part of it, like it's it's a schedule that gets harder. Um, every every coastal division team, they're all gonna have some have some more hurdles to clear uh, because they're not in the coastal. Simply, but uh, it's also how much better can this returning core get, and and can they handle uh, this harder schedule? Simple question for you here: What impresses you most about Riley Leonard uh, as we sort of look ahead to? the second season of him being the full-time starter man his competitiveness uh I don't I don't know if anybody really realized uh on the current staff how much of a competitor he was and and that's what helped him go from you know last spring it was neck and neck with him and Jordan Moore right and when they came back uh from the summer around this time last year is when they saw Riley on the practice field and out of those summer you know summer workouts are all player led. Um, it's all players getting together on their own, no coaches on the field with them, showing them what to do. And it was in that time that Riley really took his game to the next level. And then around this time last year is when we start, when, when the coaching staff saw it, when we saw it as media and, and that, I mean, you've got to be pretty driven and self-motivated to take your game to the next level over the summer when you don't have coaches pushing you every day or every other day in the spring. And uh, that's, that's how he wound up as a guy with 700 rushing yards and nearly 3000 passing yards and 33 total touchdowns and only six interceptions. Pretty good numbers. Yeah. I think uh, this time last year, if you would have told people that that's what they were going to get out of Riley Leonard, everybody would have been so, cause you're right. There was just a little bit of, uncertainty that the year prior it's it's him and Gunnar Holmberg and Holmberg's playing way more and uh, then we were able to figure out exactly what Riley Leonard was made of yeah um you you know what he's made of um it'll I, I already saw one list of, of draft eligible quarterbacks that had you know the the usual two suspects on everybody's list are going to be Caleb Williams and Drake May 
and they had Riley third. Um, so wow. that's one of the ones that's that's one of the ones that stands out when everybody wants to say everybody puts on Twitter or other social media. Like, nobody knows about Riley Leonard. He's the most underrated quarterback in the country. It's like, uh, if, out. <laughs> if you think he's underrated, it's a you problem. It's not a it's it's not a him problem. Like he's out there. Uh, people people know about Riley Leonard. Uh, Duke fans certainly knew about Riley Leonard a little before everybody else, but like Riley Leonard is out. He he is that good. What do you know about Mike Elko now that we didn't know a year ago with a year under his belt? I mean, here we are, a lot of coach of the year in the ACC first year. You mentioned going nine and four and winning the bowl game. Mike Elko leading the Duke football program. So I had a I had a really great chat with Riley at ACC kickoff about this. Um, everybody wants to think that these if if you're a head coach and your background is strictly on defense, like right, like Mike Elko was a safeties coach. He was a safety in college at Penn. He I think coached some linebackers also in in his, early in his career. Then he was defense, defensive defense, coordinator. Defense, yeah, yeah, it's all defense. So. I've talked to Mike about this uh, several times. Like everybody thinks that those guys that are defensive coordinators throughout in their backgrounds, all they want to do is win 17 to 13 games. Like they all want to be Pat Narduzzi and they all want to run the ball 50 times a game and control the clock and let their defense win games in the fourth quarters. And no, that that's not who Mike Elko is. Like Mike Elko is smart enough to realize Hey, it's 2023, and in 2023, to win in college football, you're going to have to score 40 and 50 points in some games. It's just going to your defense just is is not going to have all the answers. The offense offenses these days, too many of the rules are swayed in their favor. Um, you're just you're going to need an offense that really plays to that. And so, yeah. Uh, Riley Leonard has a great relationship with Kevin Johns, the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. He has a great relationship with the offensive staff. One of his mentors in in learning football, um, he's, he's talked a lot about taking his game, taking the mental side of his game to the next level. One of his mentors has been Mike Elko because he's able to go to Elko, and and Elko is not just this, you know bang his head against the wall defensive guy who who doesn't have time for his quarterback like they're gonna go watch film together and Riley's gonna say okay as a defensive coordinator we just did this and this so what are you looking at calling on third down and Elko is able to give him kind of the perspective from a defensive coordinator standpoint and also look at it from okay you're my quarterback you need to be looking this this way and that way and so that's that's where it goes into, you know, going all the way back to Mike's introduction. Uh, I, I asked him a question about what he wanted his offense to look like. And, and he was straightforward. Then he said, we need to score points. Like I, <laughs> he, he has made it very clear. He is not that, that typical. I always go to Pat Narduzzi cause that's the example in the ACC, right? He's a Michigan state defensive coordinator. And they were, when they were good uh, when he was there, it was his defense. And that's why he got a, a head job at a power five school without having to go the G five route. That's how you can, how you Make can kind jump, of leapfrog yeah. in the, in the coaching circles. And um, look, I'm not, I'm not saying Pat Narduzzi did it the wrong way. I'm just saying Mike is different and, and doesn't should not get kind of looped into that defensive coordinator mindset of, 
being a defense first guy. Like he's able to kind of put his hand in both sides of the ball. He's able to coach some special teams too, but it's really, it's, it's the fact that he's a balanced head coach that I don't think many of us realized at this time last year. Well, we're certainly excited for this upcoming season, certainly fired up for a fall camp to be opening up this weekend. The sights and sounds of it all as we get closer to that Labor Day game against Clemson when Duke starts the 2023 season. Connor, as always, the time is so greatly appreciated. Looking forward to catching up with you here again soon, okay? I appreciate it. Thanks, JJ. That's Connor O'Neill. He's from Devils Illustrated joining us on the program today, and that's going to do it for our show. Thanks so much for listening. Again, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and on our podcast feed as well. That'll do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.